today we're going to talk about co-workers as in we've, we've said what's what's happening Gibla? I know I know I'm just kidding okay co-workers helpful or harmful that's what we're going to talk about um, we said that Jesus is building his church that is what we should be about and that we are co-workers with him in his endeavor because it's one of the only things he's doing right now he's finished creating he's overcome death sin he's risen he's seated at the right hand of the father and if one were to ask the question what is jesus doing the usual answers are he's interceding for you which is true but more than anything else he's building his church because he said i will build my church and he's building his church and so we are co-workers with him because that's his intent of getting us saved can you join me now that you're saved in the one thing that i continue to do here on earth and so in three and a half years jesus trained and commissioned the disciples and then he sends them out to form local communities that are now called churches that's what he did he trained and commissioned them in three and a half years he trained commissioned them and then he sent them out and he sends them out so that they can go and establish local communities built around the son of god he remember when peter says you are this jesus christ the son of the living god and he says peter on this confession on this rock i will build my church and since then he's been doing it and what he did in three and a half years with them is still the process that he continues with us today what he wants is if you're saved then the next thing he wants you to become is a disciple so that you can go make disciples the point of getting saved is not really going to heaven. The point of getting saved is, now that I'm saved, Lord, I will become a disciple. And once I become a disciple, I will go and make disciples. Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. Go, therefore. All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe what I have taught you baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you right till the end of the ages. So guys, if you are saved, then know that you have only one primary business. And I've been saying this over the last six or seven weeks. Become disciples to go and make disciples. Everything else is gravy. Everything else is gravy. Prosperity is gravy. Um, getting to heaven is gravy. And it's good, tasty gravy, but it's gravy. The main thing is, now that I have been saved, born again, I have him living in me. I will do the same thing that he did with his disciples. I'll become one, and then I'll go and disciple others. It's not about ministry. It's not about pastoring. It's very simple. Become disciples to go make disciples. Kind of. And so go make disciples and be co-workers with him in building his church. Be co-workers with him in building his church. Be co-workers with him in building his church. And so that's why we want to examine co-workers. It's a, a scripture that's in the Bible that we are co-workers with him. So co-workers, you can be two kinds. You can be helpful or, or harmful. Is that biblical? Yep. Let's just look at it. So let's look at um, 2 Timothy We'll be stuck in Timothy a lot today. Second Timothy, particularly Second Timothy. Second Timothy 4, 9 to 15. Second Timothy 4, 9 to 15. 
might not finish this today we'll continue it next week second timothy 4 9 to 15 so here it goes do your best to come to me quickly for demas because he loved this world has deserted me and has gone to thessalonica crescens has gone to galatia titus to dalmatia only luke is with me get mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry i send tychicus to ephesus when you come bring the cloak that i left with carpus at troas and my scrolls especially the parchments alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm the lord will repay him for what he has done you should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message guys at the end of the day you and i can be helpful co-workers or harmful co-workers paul is talking to the church he's not talking to some external enemy he's talking to ones who started with him but aren't necessarily helpful but are harmful and what we want to do today is examine how i can be a helpful co-worker and what can perhaps cause me to be a harmful co-worker a co-worker of whom a co-worker of jacob no a co-worker of acts 29 no a co-worker of christ because he is building his church It is the only thing that we should hold as our primary concern. Building his church. I'm building my church. Will you join me? That's what he's saying. Let's look at another scripture. 2 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. 2 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. 2 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus, with a name like that, what did you expect? And Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesophorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. So again, you find three people. Two of them were harmful co-workers, while one of them was a super helpful co-worker. Now, what was Paul in the practice of doing? Paul was about doing just one thing, building his church. Everywhere he did, went. That was his only aim. How can I multiply what Christ has started? And it's worth saying again that the church is not built on a Sunday. It's not built in sacred spaces like this. The church is built every day in streets, at work, in homes. And it's built by nameless, faceless, non-regent types. We only know 12 apostles. We don't know the 70. We don't know the 120. We don't know the 500. Jesus met in 1 Corinthians 15. Nameless, faceless people that Jesus Christ had trained and had them ready before he left the earth so that when the 3,000 to 5,000 come in in the first week of the Holy Spirit, that there were already more than 600 people waiting to take care of them. And we'll never know their names. Very few of them are pastors or prophets and all that. We don't even hear of it. This is the way Jesus is building his church. You have no other primary concern. Two weeks ago, we talked about 
what it means to be a disciple. Difficult teaching, eh? You are not even worthy of being my disciple if da 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 da. So, here's how we can divide um, harmful and helpful co-workers. So this is helpful. This is harmful. Helpful co-workers will be lovers of God. Harmful co-workers are lovers of the world. This one is kind of easy, eh? We usually nail this one. Because I don't see too many lovers of the world here. I mean, sure, we sometimes uh, are caught up in things, but most sitting under this roof right now are lovers of God. Second, and this one kind of is odd, um, thoroughly, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped in the word of truth. Thoroughly equipped in the word of truth. Partially equipped in the word of truth. Partially equipped in the word of truth. This one is something we've got to watch out for. Because harmful co-workers are those that do not have a, 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 a knowledge of the word. And therefore, they're partially equipped in the knowledge of the word or in the word of truth. And it usually ends up harming the cause of Christ, not helping the cause of Christ. Third one, loyal co-workers, as in ones who endure and stick with what God is doing in a local body or, yeah, let's just leave it as a local body now or and um, harmful co-workers are usually disloyal deserters. And uh, those words are in the Bible. I'm not pulling them just out like that. Paul uses that word. And then the last one, we'll see how far we can go today, is helpful co-workers are reliable teachers. And... Uh, Harmful co-workers are false teachers. This is based on what Paul says about his co-workers. And he, like I said before, if you look through all the books that Paul has written, you will find that Paul worked with 99 people in his journeys through each of those places. Ephesus, Colossus, Corinth. Uh, he, he worked with 99 people of which 33 were women and 66 were men. That's the number of people he worked with. And then based on his relationships with them, he begins to write down these criteria that make a distinction between ones that are helpful in co-working with Christ and ones that are harmful. This I could understand, lovers of God, lovers of the world. But I couldn't understand this, that boy, it's important to be thoroughly equipped in the word of truth. That partially being equipped in the word of truth can lead to pitfalls that affect the church and that we have to be reliable teachers we have a tendency to think that you're a rely you only have to teach if you have gone to a bible college or if you have the calling of a teacher no paul is saying hey i want you to be reliable teachers so that what is deposited to you you can now transmit to somebody else yes there is the grace of teaching apostles prophets teachers evangelists and pastors that is 
a minister sent to minister um, to uh, local congregations or whatever. Yes, there is a gift of teaching. Yes, there is going to a theological school and getting academic knowledge about teaching. But that aside, there is a need for all of us sitting here to be reliable teachers. Reliable as in what is entrusted to you, you should be able to now reproduce sincerely so that someone else gets it. We do this with our children. Any questions on this before we go on? Can you see my halo now? Okay. Just checking. Any questions before we go on? You, you agree with these distinctions? Okay. <laughs> True. You haven't paid your fees. Yeah. So let's start with lovers of God. <laughs> let's start with lovers of God. So co-workers that are helpful are lovers of God. And, and so how would you figure out someone who is a lover of God? Very easy, guys. They do the will of God. They do the will of God. So how would you then define the will of God? Obeying his commands? Obeying his commands? Here, here are some things that Jesus said are his will. One, obey my commands. Two, I have no desire that anyone should perish. So go make disciples. Go make disciples. And three, establish the church. You might think, really? That is being called a lover of God? I thought being a lover of God was um, sticking to certain ways of Christian living. That's a duh thing. It's supposed to be anyways. I mean, if you're a Christian, you must live a Christian life. But when you ask what is the will of God, here are three things that Jesus repeated again and again and again in the Bible. Guys, I want you to obey my commands. One who obeys my commands loves me. How do you know you love Jesus? You obey his command. So that one is simple. Two, go and make disciples. I'm not picking on that because we are teaching on this. I'm picking on that because very expressly, Jesus, before he left the earth, sums up his entire will in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, when he says, listen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore now, go make disciples, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What do you baptize people into? You baptize them into a body. How do you know that? 1 Corinthians 12, 13. When you are baptized, you're baptized into a body. We can't escape this, guys. We can't escape this. To fulfill the will of God, I must be a disciple maker. Not I, Jacob, as a pastor, but I, Jacob, as one that is saved and is now a disciple. Not May as one who works at VGH, but as May, the one who's saved and who is now a disciple. You cannot escape it. And so, like I've said in the past, we begin to live a life that is centered around Christ and his body. Christ and his body. How do you define body? How do you define the church, uh, Diana? How do you define the church? Uh, no, that's not the definition that we... I love putting you on the spot since you ask a lot of questions. Let me give you the mic as you answer so that everybody hears it. I'm inviting you to join in too. Um, one anothering. It's, are, are you wanting all of these things? Like, I don't know what... 
Okay, so I just, uh, because of all the questions she's asked over the last 12 years, it's always good to put her on the spot. So uh, the church is defined as? Shush. Church is defined as? People redeemed by the finished works of Christ, called out of the world, transformed into, sorry, transformed into carriers of his nature and his spirit, sent back into the world to make, to demonstrate the kingdom, proclaim the kingdom openly, invite people into the kingdom and make disciples of all nations, one life at a time. Can we try that again? Okay. Church is a people redeemed by the finished works of Christ, meaning his death, his life, his death, his resurrection. Called out of the world, transformed into, be, into carriers of his nature and his spirit, sent back into the world to do what? To demonstrate the kingdom, to proclaim the kingdom, and to invite people into the kingdom openly, and to make disciples of all nations, one life at a time. Guys, it's great if you can learn it, eh? Because truth is learned through repetition. It's great if you can learn it. So, Diana, you're off the hook, man. Um, yeah, so just remember that. Uh, at the end of the day, lovers of God are people who obey His will or his commands know that he has no desire that any should perish so they engage in a lifestyle that makes disciples and they establish the church by becoming co-workers who build with Christ any doubts on that do you think that's unreasonable. Do you think it's not what Jesus asked? Do you think I'm trying to add two and two to get five? As in you're agreeing? Or? Yeah? Okay, so then lovers of the world. Uh, we'll just look at two scriptures. I'll kind of sum it up. Lovers of the world. Look at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 4. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 4. Lovers of the world. Oh, these are two nasty scriptures, man. I'll read it from the message. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 4. I'm taking bits from the message. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, profane, contemptuous of parents, dog-eat-dog, slanderers, impulsively wild, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, allergic to God, who make a show of religion lovers of the world I mean none of that be found in us eh? and every time you find any of that in you purge yourself off it thank God for Jesus Christ and let's look at another scripture 1st John 2 1st John 2 15 to 17 1st John 2 15 to 17 1st John 2 15 to 17 and here's what it says do not love the world this is such a strong simple straight statement do not love the world all the things in the world. Do not love the world, all the things in the world. And then he makes another 
radical statement. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he goes on to define what the love of the world is. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So every time I engage in either the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes or the pride of life, lust of the flesh meaning the craving of the flesh for things that we derive outside of God and at the cost of somebody else. Remember, the two things that lead to sin are always when man tries to find his happiness outside of God or at the expense of somebody else. That is sin. That is the, that is the definition of sin. When I try to find happiness outside of God and, out, and at the expense of somebody else. Therefore, if you take the Ten Commandments, you'll see that all of the Ten Commandments fall within this purvey of either love the Lord your God or do not covet your neighbor's donkey. One or the other. And so he says in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, Jacob, every time you engage in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes or the pride of life, know this, that the love of the Father is not in you very straight, eh? Okay, let's take the next two. Helpful co-workers are thoroughly equipped in the word of truth. Thoroughly equipped in the word of truth. 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And here's what it says. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me read that again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to be a helpful co-worker, increase your appetite for the word your study of the word because without it you will at some point cause his cause harm and not help i met a person in south africa on this last trip person is an elder in the church and he comes to me and says um, i've uh, for the last um, few months i've decided that i don't uh, that there is more to God than just the Bible. So I've stopped reading the Bible. And uh, he says, because there must be more to God. I I'm just waiting for God to show me uh, more of him. And so for the last few months, and I found out it was about six or seven months, he stopped reading the Bible. I quickly went and told the pastor about it. Because uh, he thinks there's something that he can find out about God uh, through some other means. Increase your appetite. What you ate two years ago will not suffice for where you're going now. Be thoroughly equipped in the word of truth. How do we go about it? Paul talks about it. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. This is so that you can teach this to others too, guys. 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Let me read that again. 
Do you do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth? Guys, if you want to show yourself approved in being equipped in the word of truth, then apply yourself to it and when given an opportunity, do everything in your power. Work hard to present the truth in the way that it should be presented. Work hard at it. Work hard at it. If someone asks you to preach at Acts 29, don't do it the night before. Work at it. Be thoroughly equipped. When you stand here, let people, even though you're speaking simple truths, let people hear God because of the authenticity that you come with, because of the hard work you put in, and because of the power of the Spirit of God who's seen how thoroughly you equip yourself and apply yourself to the Word. Given an opportunity, don't say no. Always say yes and then say no later. Yep, 2 Timothy 3.10. Here's another verse, 2 Timothy 3.10. And verse three, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 and verse 14. Where is 10? Yeah, you however know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, and what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. And now go to verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know these from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Guys, once you begin to apply yourself to the Word, if you're thoroughly equipped, people must see it in your lifestyle. People must see it in your lifestyle. I must, in five months from now, see Betty operating differently than she is operating right now. Otherwise, she's listening to the Word, but it's not doing anything. I must see Chantal as someone who is listening to the word and it's changing her. It's changing her marriage. It's changing the way she functions. It's changing the way she drives. I'm not picking on your driving. Though if you feel picked, maybe it's a lot. Uh, but, but, but it should change you inside. One of the things Paul had the audacity to say, and unfortunately I don't have the audacity to say that line for myself, that, hey, you've seen me in these things. You've seen me how I live out what I teach. I may be able to say it in a few areas, but not all those areas, man. But you have to be able to say that so that people can... That's when what Gisela says goes into effect. Otherwise, what Gisela says doesn't count. I'm talking about the scripture. She says, you are, a, you are an epistle written by the Lord. I'm only an epistle written by the Lord when I practice what I teach. Otherwise, I'm not an epistle written by the Lord. I'm just an epistle carrier. I carry it in my hand or my phone. I pray God that I have the satisfaction of seeing every life being transformed every five or six months and that you have the satisfaction of seeing my life changing and upgrading every five or six months. You should have that satisfaction and I must have the satisfaction of seeing your lives changed because of the power of the word. Otherwise, it's only coming through one ear and leaving through the other ear. That is not what makes us thoroughly equipped in the word of truth I mean let me just pick on Rachel for a while because she's come back into the room I mean when she came to this church she was a wimpy kid man she could she could easily be upset about things 
And then you heard what I read out two weeks ago. One week ago. There's a marked difference between the one who came in and the one who is now. There should be change, guys. Otherwise, we will not be able to be helpful co-workers. We'll be harmful co-workers. Let's take another scripture. Um, 2 Timothy 1.14 2 Timothy 1.14 2 Timothy 1.14 Paul's writing all this to Timothy saying hey do it this way and you'll get it right be careful of ones who don't walk this way he says to Timothy guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you guard it with help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you guard it with help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us whatever you learn here now you got to guard it so that you can deposit it into someone else's life. And you guys are doing it. In your homes. Calling people over and entrusting what has been placed in your lives. 2 Timothy 1.14 2 Timothy 1.14 And so how do partially equipped people work? Partially equipped um, co-workers are actually harmful to the church harmful to the church because whenever you're partially equipped know that there will be mixture whenever you're partially equipped know that um, in certain areas I'll have a form of godliness but no power that's what happens so go to 2 Timothy 3 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 and 7 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 and 7 having a form of godliness but denying its power power have nothing to do with them and verse 7 um, always learning oh, I love this verse in a perverse kind of way always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth my God may you and I never end up here always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth I've met people like that continuously hearing but nothing happening in their life. If it is happening, it ain't showing. Can't be that, man. Can't be that. There's another scripture. Um, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time will come when well, men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I realize every week I go home and I say, to, not every week, every second week I go home and say to the Lord, can't you let me preach something nice? Like, I would love to preach on faith and on healing because I, I really can do it well. So let me preach something nice. I, this week I started off with something nice and then I had to cancel it all. Why? Because these things are hard things to say, guys. It rubs some of us wrong. But Paul taught this. We're not here to please eating ears, right?
these are the demands being placed on us if we are partially equipped we will be harmful co-workers to the cause of Christ and will damage the church as far as it's possible we should not allow that to happen to each other last scripture 2 Timothy 3.8 2 Timothy 3.8 just as Janus and Jamrus opposed Moses so also these men oppose the truth men of depraved minds who as far as faith is concerned are rejected when you're partially equipped at some point when what is being said does not agree with you not because it's unbiblical but because it doesn't sit well with you because you think a certain way you begin to oppose what the truth is that is when you now become a harmful co-worker not a helpful co-worker you're not opposing it because it's unbiblical you're opposing it either because you don't like the person delivering the message or because it goes against the grain of how you want things done but remember what we're doing we are adorning his bride we can't dress her up as we want because she ain't your wife she is his wife and we are bridesmaids we do what the bridegroom tells us to there's no amending here eh? you cannot amend anything here gotta be biblical let's do one more and then we'll do the reliable and false teacher later because it's 3.59 I'll stop in 6 or 7 minutes Shiloh's done pretty good for 2 and a half hours I think this boy was born for this church may we have more such babies who love long sermons this is true oh yeah he's heard many he used to come and sit through it all Rachel no he's actually listening he just has his eyes closed loyal co-workers what are loyal co-workers like Colossians 4 Man, Paul had such a rich life, huh? Colossians 4, 7 to 14. Colossians 4, 7 to 14. Loyal co-workers. This is what loyal co-workers look like. Tychicus. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother. Huh. Brother. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, faithful minister. He's a fellow servant. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know our circumstances, that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, another one of them, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Justice, sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer. I guess that's where the word 
prayer warrior comes from. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard. He's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herop Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor in Demas, and this is the same Demas who later on leaves, um, sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in our house. Guys, talk about loyal co-workers. Eh? If this is what defines me and you, um, boy, this church is rich. You're a brother or a sister because you actually believe that you're part of this family. Hard thing to imagine that the guys sitting around your family and they actually are. They're more family than your blood thingy. Brother, faithful, faithful, as in dependable, countable, reliable, servant. I can think of some of you. Encourager, not with platitudes, but genuine encouragement. Comfort. Oh, do you think people need it? Hey, guys who are actually leading churches need a lot of comforting, eh? So I'm talking about me now. It's a good thing to comfort me, man. Saying every now and then, Jacob, doing a really good job, eh? Encourager. <laughs> Thanks. Prayer warrior. You're praying for people in this church and outside. Man, the number of times I sometimes stand on my balcony, lean over it and pray towards Surrey for Rosalind. Just out of the blue, I'll feel the Lord saying, pray for Rosalind. And I want to face Surrey's, but I'm in the wrong side of the building. So I'll begin to speak over her, over Bernice and Wayne, over Sheldon and what's her name, Jane, over Sue. A lot of fun praying for people, man. And you're waiting to hear what God is going to say, huh? Because you've got no idea what they're going through. Because we're not sympathy seekers in this church. We don't necessarily wear our heart on our sleeves, which is a good thing. Or Rhonda, man, the times I've prayed for her when she's working downtown. Indulge in this. Because it's not the pastor's job. Because he ain't building the church through pastors. warrior, hard worker, hard worker. Ask this of yourself. Hey, are you a hard worker at this? At Acts 29. A hard worker at Acts 29. Most of you are. Can't think of anybody who isn't right now. Let's go to uh, one more scripture. 2 Timothy 1, 16 to 18. 2 Timothy 1, 16 to 18. We already read that. But look at what this guy did. Huh? Look at what this guy did. You know, these are the kind of guys who will bear shame and bear loss for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the people in the church. They'll bear the shame and they'll bear the loss 
Look at what he does. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me. I'm telling you, this is happening at Acts 29. I don't even know about it. I hear about it two months later of how you guys go out of your way to help each other. Keep building on it, man. The pastor doesn't need to know anything. As long as we do it, Christ is watching, right? We are not co-workers with the pastor. We are co-workers with Christ. And then listen to the pastor. And then the last one is disloyal. Uh, we'll stop there. This disloyal co-worker. Guys, please understand. Leaving this church does not make you disloyal. It just makes you a church leaver. And that's perfectly all right. If you feel at some point you need to leave Acts 29, never think that you're being disloyal. You're just leaving. For You may have good reasons or bad reasons. So don't think of yourself as disloyal if you leave this church. But being a disloyal co-worker is a process. I've got to show you this process. I didn't come up with it. I don't know the name of the guy who came up with it. Jeevan, aren't you supposed to do this? Here's a process of disloyalty. Be careful of this and we'll stop with this. Becoming disloyal is a process. The first thing that happens before we go the route of disloyalty is an independent spirit. We are dependent people because we are reliant on each other. My elbow or my eye cannot afford an independent spirit. When cells become independent, it's called cancer. They do what they want. So, an independent spirit. Two examples of an independent spirit are Joab and uh, Absalom. Joab was David's general. He first kills Abner, then he kills Absalom. Then he kills a third guy. I don't remember the name of the third guy. I think his name started with an A. And then Joab is finally killed by Solomon because David curses him. But an independent spirit is the start of disloyalty. After an independent spirit, what happens next is we begin to take offense. Be careful of this. Hey, I was going over this list saying, Father, help me so that I don't go down this route with anybody. Taking offense. Taking offense. Taking offense. To take offense is to find reasons to be offended. Then harbor that offended feeling. Then fall for the spirit of offense that now begins to take what is fermenting and keep using it, which will finally lead to this place of disloyalty. So, if um, Mike says something and I take offense, sure, he, there may be ways Mike can offend me. But once I take offense, if I keep harboring it, I now open the doors to the spirit of offense. In churches, this is super common. This is how most churches behave. And this is how most churches end up having problems. I remember long ago, two people at Acts 29 were good people but they would just irritate each other and take offense so I thought to myself these two can't do this because they're really good people and um, they were right at the start of Acts 29 they were there so I took both of them and locked them in a room and I said you guys are both grown up enough and know enough about the Lord so I'm going to lock you up in a room when I come back please make sure this is sorted out thank God they sorted it out when I came back, they were both hugging each other and crying, and I thought, man, what a relief. 
If you get offended, sort it out quickly. Third, disengagement. Once you take offense, you begin to disengage. Once you take offense, you begin to disengage. Disengage is to separate it. Disengage is to be, to, uh, to, uh, disengage is the practice of being together alone. Being together alone. Where you're together but you're uh, aloof. That's, so, so this process can continue for a while. You can be in a church for four or five years and yet you can be disengaged because there is offense or there is something that has affected you. And so you are together but you're not. And in the process you don't share the burden of the church. The next one is judgment and criticism. Judgment and criticism. That's the next stage. When now you start criticizing and judging things, some things are worth being critical about, but bring it to the right people and hopefully they'll be gentle enough to listen to you. If they're not, take it to others, then bring it to the pastor, especially if the pastor is the one who's having a, uh, who you have an issue with. Judgment and criticism. You know, judgment and criticism is okay till it turns into this thing. Here's the crazy thing about gossip. It always gets back to the person who you're talking about. That's the crazy thing about gossip. Every time I've gossiped, somehow the person I gossiped about found it. Once it was crazy, I was talking about a person and my phone which was locked, unlocked and rang that person. And so I'm talking about this person and my phone is on and the person is at the other end. How do you even get out of that, man? How do you salvage that when he's listening to you talking about him? Gossip always gets back to the source. It's God's uh, ironic sense of humor. He practices it quite often. After gossip comes deception. And what is the deception? The deception is, I am more spiritually mature than this bunch. I am more spiritually mature than this bunch. And actually, you might actually be legalistic, not spiritually mature. And that then leads to being disloyal by openly rebelling, accusing. That last word, if you can't read it, is not your fault. It's accusing. This is the process. Whenever you find yourself anywhere in this process, stop yourself quickly. Eh? I found myself here. I found myself here. And I find myself here every so, not every so often, I find myself, I've, I've, I've been there. And remember, to get here, I have to work myself down that way. Which word are you trying to figure out? Uh, op open belly, open, open rebe openly rebelling and accusing. 
openly rebelling and accusing. Yeah, this is the process, guys. Whenever you find yourself here, know that you're in a place of being a disloyal worker and you will not help the cause of Christ. You will harm the cause of Christ. Get out of this as quickly as possible. Because at the end of the day, anyone who goes down this pathway does not end well. Ananias, hmm, got slain in the spirit. Uh, Ahithophel, you haven't heard of him. He was one of David's men who went and counseled um, uh, Absalom, hung himself. Judas went and did the same thing. Joab clung to the horns of the altar and died there. Um, Lucifer, we know about him. All these guys ended up badly and all of them started this way. Independent spirit. I want to be like him. I want to be seated on the throne in Zion. I want to receive worship. Disengaged from heaven. Started being an accuser of the brethren. Uh, started spreading lies about God. Started in the Garden of Eden. Deception that he deserves to be God and not God. Started with Lucifer, continues down. Please, the reason I need to teach this is we cannot afford to go this way. Wherever you find yourself on this scale, jump out of it. Because whenever I'm finding myself on this scale, I'm always reminded, Jacob, it's only a matter of time. Jump out of it. These are harmful co-workers. We'll stop here. False teachers, reliable teachers, we'll talk about next time. Father, thank you for... Uh,